0: Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. i taking my kids Saturday morning at like 1130 I think is when we're going to go so yeah so let's so you're just are going to get them up early? Well yeah I mean they'll be up anyway you know none of us can sleep late I mean my kids I don't know what it is they, they like on the weekends when they like during school days they want to sleep late but on the weekends they want to get up you know That's and so, so yeah so and my I've got to this point in my life where I thought you know I used mm-hmm. to like to sleep late like nine ten o'clock in the morning on the weekends yeah, I can't do anymore, like, no, nah, I just can't, that's huh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. to that's really yeah. yeah, I can't get up that early, like, I mean, I can't get up that late, I'll get up at, uh, on the weekends, between 7.30
1: and
0: 8.30, yeah, I can't do it, uh, yeah. I get up at uh, like, 10.30, well, 11, that's the, the thing, you're used to getting up at a certain time yeah, during yeah. the week, and your body's conditioned to that, and, so, you wake up at 7.30 and think, man, I'm awake, I might as well sit up. Because for me, too, this is old guy talk. You're young. Your body's t- aching. <laughs> <laughs> right, what's up? What's up, Louis? She's young, I'm saying.
1: You, how old are you, 18? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, you yeah, what's yeah, man?
0: 10 more years. Yeah, yeah. You've been yeah right. you haven't that in 10 years, 10, 12 years. Your whole song will change. Fine, though. Yeah, your whole song will change.
1: Louis, too. Spanish moms wake up at like five.
0: Yeah, they play yeah. the
1: yeah. music. I see. They're cozy, they're
0: <laughs> you know, the, the
1: really it's mean. a rich like they do, <laughs> man. They
0: do, um, they do. They it's wake good. up early in the morning, yeah. play some music.
1: Yeah, Saturday, started playing started dancing. You're talking about it's Saturday, Saturday morning, morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my mom wakes up every morning. Like I'm going, morning. going to uh, DC next song. Um, We're we'll leaving Tuesday. Uh, I know how it's gonna go. My mom's gonna wake up early in the morning. She's gonna come carpool. Yeah, in uh, a carpool. Breakfast be on the table by eight o'clock, man. You be tired. Remember the car is going this morning. Yo, chill.
0: So they make you up like three. You say like the the, the, the Mexican, Latino, Hispanic. No, culture you love. Um, I think like
1: all Spanish. Like all, all Spanish you know, culture. Get up region, early. Yeah, get yeah. Up. Yeah, i to sleep.
0: And they start. To, and they turn on like the music <laughs> and everything too. I do. Wow.
1: That's the best way to clean, though.
0: Really? Yeah, she knows, bro. What are you talking about? Like get up
1: have to put pumping music, you know? Yeah, but that's true. When you get go. a good mood. they put like Selena on. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna put There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like
0: Selena. Yeah. Yeah. I miss Selena. I hate that happening. Nah, <laughs> no, uh, sure I remember when I used to, like, whenever I wanted to go out and, you know, I needed like, to ask her permission, I would wake up with her and yeah. start, a again. start
1: a Yeah, I <laughs> you t- yeah. You've been good. You've
0: been good. Yeah, I got you. If I want you new pair of children, man, you better do this, do this, and do this. after you get it, I'm going to go check after it. And you might get it. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> right. okay. They get yeah. you when they check yeah. after they you. Do. They do. do you <laughs> well, like, oh, they do. Oh, yeah. Come man. I didn't say yes. I said it. Uh, <laughs> 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 That's the catch. That's the catch. So what else is new and exciting in the world besides Frozen 2 going to blow up this weekend? Happy birthday. birthday. You, your birthday's Monday? Yeah. So 80, like, like 29? 28. 28. Okay. Um, awesome, man. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank Yeah, it's just like (laughs) that's going on. Oh man! it's like
1: every day. Uh,
0: I mean, we don't have to get political, but we can talk about it for a second. This it's it's legit a big deal. And like, I didn't watch a lot this week. I kind of watched in and out, and then I watched some of the recaps. But pretty much what I got from it is that everybody that went to testify said the same thing, which is
1: yeah, he uh, did. He did what everybody thinks he
0: did, you know. So which is you know. It's, but I just don't know how it's going to play out. You know? well, I mean, it's like they're more mad at a whistleblower.
1: Than yeah. just gonna,
0: like, I actually got a book. I read part of this book before. <laughs> I downloaded it from the library. And I went to see an old friend of mine at Mount Olive College or University of Mount Olive. And he had a copy on the shelf I see you got. and It's called uh, The Soul of America by John Meacham. John Meacham is a presidential historian, very knowledgeable. And he's been on several newscasts. And I've, I've, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, just a very knowledgeable person. But... Um, I've read the first few pages of it again, and it just makes me sad to read it because uh, you're reading quotes from presidents who had, I don't know, the dignity to say things like, you know, the the. I'm gonna paraphrase. Like FDR said something like, the the greatest responsibility of a president is to be the moral leader of the country. He said something in that in that vein, and so you just. I want to see presidents that say that kind of stuff again you know to to be to show leadership like we talked about in this class you know and uh, that's that's something that I crave I think people crave leadership they crave genuine goodness and leadership and so that's what I'm hoping we we can get back to at some point so so what else besides frozen and the impeachment thing going on but yeah good to kind of cap that off even if he's if this inquiry goes to the Senate for the trial The Senate's controlled by the Republicans, so I mean, we don't know if uh, if they'll step up and say, "Yeah, it's not good." Or if they'll say, "Well, he's he's our guy," so we just just don't know how it's gonna go. So, hoping for the best. Hoping for the best. What else is new and exciting?
1: It's almost Thanksgiving.
0: Almost Thanksgiving. You know, I think a
1: year ago today it was Thanksgiving. What's that? I think like a year ago today. It was yeah,
0: Thanksgiving sometimes falls like weird. earlier. Yeah, is this I, year's really late. Like, uh, yeah. the, 20, the, 20 the 24th.
1: Of yeah. Month. I think it's, I know it was like it that. It has been it the odd So it goes up a day, day. Every, yeah. every year. Well, the last week of the yeah. month. Yeah, the last third of the month. So yeah.
0: it goes up a
1: day every year. Well,
0: I think retailers would prefer you to have it earlier in the month because now we've only got three weeks and change to Christmas, you know, think about it. After Thanksgiving, you know so it's so
1: crazy, like I know.
0: I can't (laughs) believe how fast Christmas will be here. You I mean Turkey Day, boom and then Santa Claus, you know, here we go. So Yeah already seeing Christmas lights. Christmas is just
1: it does, <laughs> you know, like, you know. i mean. Yeah. Like so yeah, because I'm talking to movies. The music, yeah. the environment, it's just I know, so, yeah.
0: so cold, depressing music.
1: I don't think it's the same as you were well, <sighs> a kid. Well, oh, no, when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Man, when you were a kid, you used to sneak downstairs. My mm-hmm. like, mom, mom used to tell me, <laughs> you're not getting shit. That's yeah, the Christmas.
0: Yeah. And then <laughs> I see all the places like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. The holidays are an emotional time, you know, and, like, I don't know. I mean, it's weird. Like, some some Christmases are like, I went through a thing where uh, Christmas wasn't as quote-unquote magical for me. You know, like, you know, well, like, I don't know, like, it's before, it's after I kind of grew up and before I had kids, so the magic was kind of, it's kind of bland, right, and I just kind of didn't feel that sense of wonder that I did when I was a kid, but now that I've got kids, it's kind of magical again, you know, yeah, because I get to be a part of the magic that they, that they feel. So. I don't really Pretty much look forward to, to Christmas. Long. And now, like, you know, when you were younger, you look
1: forward yeah, to you know Christmas and,
0: like, the Saturday presents Saturday, and stuff. Right? But now I'm just waking
1: up right. and I'm just like, good morning, mom. Yeah, Christmas. right. So where's oh,
0: the yeah. food?
1: That's it. Yeah. You know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all i will be waiting for is the
0: Well, you know, I mean, the older you get, the more, the less it's about consumerism. Right. Right. And so, like, for me, it's about giving gifts, uh, but, <laughs> so I'm not so much receiving gifts, you know, like, I don't really, yeah, I, I don't really care less if getting something now. Yeah, right, exactly. I don't care less if I'm getting something Well, for me, you like know, kids it. yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. When <laughs> <like laughs> they're <laughs> the kids, you know, like,
1: yeah. oh, well, you yeah. can teach them, like, last year, me and my kid, um, we and well, my wife, um, we took them to this uh, care home, where they got, like, old people. Yeah. We bought a pair of socks. And all that's things. nice. Yeah, the heroes, and we teach them how to give, not receive. You know, right. That's the main thing. Well, that's my point of view. Yeah,
0: we try to get our kids to do some volunteer stuff like that. That's I mean, we've done. Mm-hmm. We did a community dinner recently. Got another one coming up. I don't know if we're going to make it or not. But uh, that kind of stuff's good for kids to be exposed to. So, anything else on the horizons? Is anybody going black? I'm going, uh, I'm, going going? I'm going to just go. follow Monday. There you go. What's yeah. the difference? It's, it's online. It's so oh, okay. And
1: it's
0: more deals <laughs>
1: Yeah.
0: It's pretty competitive <laughs> online. Just raining, like, Black
1: Friday <laughs> is exciting <laughs> <me laughs> because I just like seeing happy. 10,000 10, people are
0: going to click. Yeah. you You got to wait. Yeah. And if you think on the mouse. Sometimes the
1: deals go to midnight. I already have all the
0: tabs open, so you already have to yeah, I've got a laptop set up. I don't know, I don't know. I don't
1: know. Um, Black Friday
0: doesn't yeah. even start on Friday anymore. It's 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. So. That's a line, but uh, yeah, I've yeah. got many stories about my experiences with Black Friday while I was at Walmart. And one of them that I can vividly think of is laptop computers. People have gotten into fist fights in front of my yeah. eyes yeah. Over over computers, I mean like violence, uh, scary fistfight type stuff. So they stopped doing that, and now they have Q lines. That's just so funny
1: yeah. to me. What
0: fight <laughs> America stuff? Yeah, get ticket to get a ticket. Yeah, get a ticket. <laughs> but the thing is, is that you're fighting somebody over something that's gonna break in a year. You know, like I mean, it, it's not these 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 hundred dollars computers and stuff are not super great quality I need it stuff. now, it my laptop. Yeah, yeah, it's people Sale, like, <laughs> like, say, Walmart, you have your Black Friday sale, but like all the high dollar items, like electronics and TVs, and right. stuff only start at a certain time. Yeah, they stage them out. And that's crazy too. So, I don't. Here's my so goal I when I go certain certain to sales yeah. At six, but electronics they all go until ten. Right. When I go to a sale like that, I don't go after any high demand items. I go after the other stuff like movies. And mess like that, you know, stuff that I can get my hands on. That I'm not going to fight somebody for a TV or something. It's just not. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, my thing, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, we started talking about motivation on Monday. We continued the conversation in, on Wednesday, and today we're going to wrap it up. We've got a few more theories and things to talk about. Um, how has this chapter found you guys? It's been interesting talking about motivation. Yeah, it's really, think. it really is interesting um, yeah. because. Like I told you about that book, Drive with Daniel Pink, I really thought about motivation differently until I learned about intrinsic motivation and trying to connect people with things that they're good at. Like, as an example, if you've got a worker that, you know, you've got them doing manual labor and they're moving cases around or whatever it is, but you find out they're really good at graphic design, they're an artist, you need to figure out a way to incorporate that into their job somehow, you know? Or if you can't do that, try to incorporate something that they like or something that they're naturally driven to do. Or if you can't do that, try to incorporate autonomy into their job, meaning that try to restructure their job in a way that gives them choice in how they do the job or uh, when and where they do the job. So Try to give them some uh, reasons to self-motivate. And if you can do that, you'll see productivity go up, you'll see morale improve, you'll see relationships get better, you'll see absenteeism go down. Uh, all these great benefits happen when you address motivation in the right way. The wrong way to do it is through like things like punishment and we're talking about that a little bit where uh, you threaten and intimidate people. I hate that kind of that kind of motivation where you know the stick versus the carrot you know I'm going and speaking of which stick and carrots that's even old kind of thinking about motivation where if you do something good I'm going I'm going to lead you through the carrot you know the, the idea of a reward. But if you don't do something, I'm going to pop you with the stick, you know, metaphorically speaking. And so if you can get the motivation right and understand people's motives, you can really improve so many things at work. Like I said, turnover, absenteeism, morale, relationships, uh, productivity, all those things can get met- better if you do the motivation right. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump forward. We've talked about a bunch of different things this week, ability, Uh, Perceptions, motivation, direction, and intensity. The content versus the process motivation theories. I'm going to recap the content, but today the new material is on the process motivation theories. We talked about needs and unmet needs. We talked about hedonism and how people are generally designed to seek out pleasure and avoid pain. You know, you want to seek out things that make you feel good and avoid things that make you feel bad. Or create uh, difficulty. People often look for the path of least resistance. So manifest needs are those needs uh, we talked about on uh, Monday and Wednesday that are our pressing needs. Uh, we do have instincts. Um, we talked about uh, Murray and his uh, list of needs, and there's a great, there's a long list in the, in the text. It talks about these different things that are innate. Um, and then we get to these learned needs. McClellan, We talked about achievement. Affiliation and power, remember that? The need to achieve, the need to uh, to excel. Affiliation is that need to connect with others. And the need for power is to be able to feel in control. And so that's uh, McClellan. Then we got to Maslow. Maslow talked about the hierarchy of needs, how we have these base foundational needs. And as those <coughs> needs are met, we go up to what are called higher order needs. And so the base needs deal with Survival or existence, like um, food, clothing, shelter, right? And then we deal with things like safety and then connectedness and then esteem. And once that, when all those things are in alignment, we reach this point of self actualization, which is where <coughs> kind of the pinnacle, the Zen moment in life. Uh, and we also talked about prepotency, which is this idea that we revert to the, less, the, lessest, the lower level needs. So I can't be concerned with safety. If I'm hungry, you know, like I'll be willing to take a risk and risk my safety, if I'm hungry, I'll be willing to break into a house and and get food, right? If I haven't eaten in three or four days, that's that's kind of, you know, you think about that for a second. Let's let's be looking at it from a like apocalyptic scenario, like society shuts down, there's no food in the grocery store, you know, people got a little bit of food in their house, but after a week or two, people go on the hunt, you know, they start thinking about. Well, I know my neighbors got a a larder of food that put up, they told me about it. So you start thinking in your mind, hey, I gotta feed myself, I gotta feed my kids. You start considering doing things you may not have done before, uh, going and doing a breaking and entering, and that's horrible, but it's because we have this unmet need that is driving us to go do that. And we don't, everything else in our life is messed up until we satisfy that hunger need. And so we're not feeling safe, we're not feeling Social connection, we're not feeling esteem, achievement, all that stuff is out the window, until we uh, deal with that <clears throat> unmet need. Has anybody ever seen the movie The Road? It's based on a book. Um, it's really good if you haven't seen it. The Road is a story of how society has collapsed. It's, it's post-apocalyptic, oh, sorry, post-apocalyptic, and the story is a father and son on the road trying to survive and. Uh, most of the people in the world have died. I don't know what it never really explicitly tells what's caused it, but it implies. At least I get that it's nuclear has caused this thing to happen, and they're they're starving. They're trying to make it, and towards the kind of the 75% way in the book or in the in the movie, they finds a big cache of food, and it's just you feel so relieved for them to be able to find that and they have that need met. Uh, it's really. Uh, It's kind of like that. Also, in the same vein, has anybody ever seen the Book of Eli with Denzel? Love that movie. Yeah, right. It's really good. And so, when you watch that movie, when he when he's holding the Bible, he has such a reverence and a respect for it that it just makes you want to go hold a book, you know, and appreciate that you have access to it because books don't exist anymore in that future. So, um, and there's several books that are in that same vein, like. Fahrenheit 451 is a dystopian future novel, and it's about how uh, the government has seized control and they don't want people to learn. They want people to know what they want them to know. And so in order to do that, they burned all the books in existence, except for a few that people hide. And when they're found out, it's bad. You know, They get punished for that. And so there's, there's actually many books that talk about this idea of censorship and uh, anti-intellectualism and taking away knowledge and then you realize how valuable knowledge is because it's got us to where we are now, you know. And you know, it's easy to complain about society and complain about our place in the world, but really we've come a long way over the millennia, and it's because of knowledge has helped us get there. This continual growth of knowledge and previous generations, the things that didn't work and the things they learned and how we've kind of added to that. And so knowledge is extremely valuable. And so hierarchy of needs, we talked about that. Then we got to offers ERG: existence, relatedness, and growth. Um, existence dealing with those physiological, material needs. Relatedness dealing with those social, connectedness, you know, thing uh, needs. And then growth, growth, uh, dealing with achievement and self-actualization. And so we all have these things in our life that fit into this matrix, kind of, you know, and. Um, we use different modalities to fill these needs. Uh, you know not everybody's in a dedicated relationship, and so you have maybe close friends or families or, or pets that kind of fill that gap yes, uh, things like that. so there's a lot of people like you know in the 1950s and 60s kind of the norm was you know grow up, get married, you know have a job, have a career. but in today's world it's grow up, get a job, maybe get married, you know maybe have kids a lot of people i went to school with never got married never had kids and so that is that's a norm today and so uh, they still have these close relationships though with friends family and some of them have very <coughs> close pets that they can like they they joke that, hey these are our kids you know the dogs and so yeah that's that's but the the needs still exist they're still present they're just not you know in the form of that familiar that normal well, well there's no normal but that I guess prototypical uh, familial unit that was the, that you know you kind of think about as the, the nuclear family, so to speak, from the fifties. That doesn't, I mean, it still exists, but that's not a norm today. There's just so many different ways that you can fulfill those needs, uh, and this is offered and he talks about these different uh, needs in the context of work, and so those existence opportunities, the the heating, the lighting, the internet connection. The things that we have at at work that kind of uh, lend to our ability to thrive there, the relatedness, the friendships, and the relationships that we develop at work, and then the growth opportunities, the challenge of the work, the opportunity to think, hey, I've got a career path. You know, imagine that you've got the first two, you've got these things met at work, and you've got the relatedness, you've (coughs) connected, but you know there is no opportunity for growth at the job. Do you think you'll be happy there long-term knowing that this is it? This is all there ever is. I'm never going to be a supervisor, a manager. I'm never going to get promoted to anything. Do you think that that, just having the base two would lend to a good work experience? No? And I think that's one reason why people leave is that they think there's no opportunity, so I'm going to go somewhere else where there may be an opportunity. And so having all these things in place is important, just like – having the complete hierarchy in your personal life is important. All right, so now we get to new material and we're getting close to talking about these content or these process um, motivation theories. And so our process theories. So clearly one of the most influential motivation theories throughout the 1950s and 60s was Hertzberg's motivation hygiene theory. It's also called two-factor theory. So if you see two-factor theory, it's still talking about Hertzberg and the motivation hygiene theory. This theory is a further reinforcement of Maslow's hierarchy of needs or Maslow's theory. Hertzberg argues that there are two sets of needs instead of the five sets theorized by Maslow. He calls the first set motivators or growth needs. Motivators, which relate to the job we perform and our ability to feel a sense of achievement as a result of performing them, are rooted in our need to experience growth and self-actualization. We have a human need to do these things. I mean, people, I think, for the most part, want to achieve something. It doesn't have to be job success. It doesn't have to be any other metric that works for other people, but for whatever that individual has, they want to achieve something at that. Some people do it in video games or sports or uh, through, you know, kind of, uh, I guess what's the word to look for? Vicariously through their family or children or whatever it may be, there's some type of thing that they want to achieve. Uh, do you believe that? Do you believe most people have some type of inborn need for some type of achievement in a broad sense, whatever it can be? Yeah, right. Well, no, as an example, you know, my kids, we talk about grades, you know, um, Ava, my 11 year old, she, she's, she's on the better club now, but every once in a while she'll still get a bad grade. And well, you know that happens, you know, like don't let it, you know, you know, mess you up. But even in young kids, um, young kids want to get an A, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't, and nobody goes to school said, you know, I want to make all Fs. You know, I'm down with that. You know, I mean, yeah, right, yeah. You just don't, you don't see that. I mean, but, but I think people are naturally born and inclined to want to do well. There's this innate need to do that. So. The second set of needs is he termed hygienes. And it's not the same hygiene that you think of as far as like hand washing. Hygienes relate to the work environment and are based in the basic human needs to avoid pain. According to Hertzberg, growth needs motivate us to perform well, and these needs are met, lead to the experience of satisfaction. Hygiene needs, on the other hand, must be met to avoid dissatisfaction. So it's a dichotomy, two things happening. The uh, motivating theory, or the motivating side, uh, we're seeking achievement. On the hygiene side, we're trying to avoid discomfort. So imagine we come to class and it's 95 degrees in the classroom. Not good, right? Or if the power's off and we can't use our PowerPoint and you just have to listen to me without having anything to reference or look at, those are hygiene factors. Uh, So uh, a good one, and this actually has to do with personal hygiene, um, my wife worked at Bath and Body Works for 13 years and the last year or two the toilet would be broken at work for like six months at a time and I'm thinking that's illegal, you know, like, I mean how can they yeah. legally not fix the commode, you know what I'm saying, like I mean you've got to have I mean I think they're legally required to have a bathroom that functions, you know so for yeah exactly, right yeah exactly, I'm, I'm, I'm right on yeah. that, so yeah, and what's the, what's the rules like? I mean, yeah, yeah it can only be out for uh, for one day or up to twenty four hours. Right. But if your business stays open twenty four hours, it can only be out for up to twelve hours. I'm talking months at a time. Like yeah. just they'd have to go to a and different store. They, yeah. If it is a situation where it can't be fixed, they have to allow employees a certain amount. of break time right to go to to the closest facility right to use the bathroom well that's i think that's what they were doing to do that and they have to you have to be on the phone right because it's the company's fault right yeah well that is a hygiene factor and it's a a hygiene from a personal hygiene standpoint but it's also hygiene in that it causes dissatisfaction you know that you're having to hey there's no there's no bathroom here so yeah all right so i don't have to provide one to the public but you don't have to yeah, exactly. You don't have to provide it to the public. But to your associates, they need to have that. You know, that's that's a crucial thing. Um and it's so actually funny and ironic that when my wife left Bath and Body, she went to a small business and the small business was uh a plumbing company and the plumbing company operated in a outbuilding like you buy those little wooden buildings. Yeah, a little storage building. Little storage buildings. building. That's he had that when he set up an office but that office building did not have a toilet either. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, so, and he's a plumber, yeah. And so, yeah, and so what happened was, he eventually, like a couple of months in, after multiple complaints of my wife and her, her co-worker, they eventually installed a toilet, you know, and then my wife left like six months later, so, you know. but So I just thought that was a little irony that happens, you know, so okay. thankfully she has a toilet now, everybody, so absolutely, that's, that's great, right. you know. But, you know, you don't think about that stuff, that's why it's a hygiene factor. You don't think about a functioning toilet until you need one. It's like, this is just, it's supposed to be such a normal thing, like water fountains, right? How do you guys use a water fountain in this building? Think about it, never. But if I took them away and you needed some water, it would be a hygiene factor. Like, I can't believe they don't have water. I need, this is a normal thing that people need water. And I normally don't use water bottles, by the way. I just didn't have my other bottles, so. but yeah. So it just that's that's why it's a hygiene factor. You don't think about it, but if you took it away, it would create discomfort. And so, this next theory is a big one, and this was the one that I built my dissertation off of, which is self-determination theory, and it was created by a guys name, named Edward DC and Richard Ryan. Around 1985, they published a pay, paper on self-determination theory, and basically in the case of extrinsic motivation it talks about intrinsic and extrinsic motivation in extrinsic we endeavor to acquire something that satisfies a lower order need. jobs that pay well and are performed in safe clean working conditions with adequate supervision and resources directly or indirectly satisfy these lower order needs these outside the person factors are extrinsic rewards or they're existential as an example when we go to work, why do we work? We work to exchange our time and talent for dollars so we can use those dollars to support our existence, those lower order needs of food, shelter, clothing, safety, you know, if we've got those other things, this this because I have that job, that job pays me money, and that money satisfies my lower order needs. I can exist. Has anybody ever run out of money before you get your next check and you think, How am I gonna survive? Think about it. Yeah. I've been there, yeah, I'm like, how Most am I, huh, have. what's that? Most of us probably have at one in time. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and like, I, my finances are still tight, but I save a lot of money, but I've got to a point where I've got some savings, and, and um, if I, if I, I have to dip into it every once in a while, and I hate to do it, but at least I'm fortunate that I can dip into the savings if I have to, um, but yeah, if you run out of money and you've still got a week or two for you get paid, that's a bad spot to be in. Because you think I've got I've got food I gotta buy you know and so, but it's a common occurrence. Don't think that you're special and that you know and no. nobody's been through it. Many, many people go through being broke and dealing with that exi- existential crisis of oh my God you know money is the is the thing that makes us survive in the modern world because it provides us with gas to get to work, it provides us with food to live, uh, pays our bills so. Yeah, that's, that's why these extrinsic motivators, the money, deals with that lower-level existential stuff. Factors inside the person that cause people to perform a task, these are intrinsic motivators and arise out of performing a task in and of itself because it's interesting or fun to do. The task is enjoyable, so we continue to do it even in the absence of extrinsic rewards. So right now we're recording a podcast. Nobody's paying me to record a podcast. They're paying me to be here to teach you guys and to interact with you. But I'm doing this because this is an intrinsic intrinsic thing for me to do. I think it's neat, and I think it um, can be a good thing in cooperation with my teaching. It adds to it, I think. So that's an intrinsic motivator, something that I'm interested in doing, interested in learning about. Um, And so it's a little bit more on self-determination theory. Self-determination theory seeks to explain not only what causes motivation, but also how extrinsic rewards affect intrinsic motivation. So extrinsic motivation refers to the performance of an activity in order to attain some valued outcome, while intrinsic motivation refers to performing an activity for the inherent satisfaction of the activity itself. When they studied this, one thing they found that you might find interesting was that extrinsic rewards hamper intrinsic motivation. So what that means is that if I say, hey man, would you like to come do this thing that you think is fun, whatever it may be, you say, heck yeah, I'd love to do that thing I think is fun. But I say, well, what if I I pay you to do this thing instead of you coming to do it because you want to do it? you think, well, that's, that's cool too, I'll get paid to do it. But after a while, what happens is it becomes a job. And then that thing you thought was fun is no longer fun anymore. Like my my uncle's an artist I love I, I mean he's a super talented guy, but guess what he does for a living? He draws for a living, and so can you imagine like after you've you've drawn for eight hours a day, if I go say, "Hey, man, draw me something you know how how excited is he to do art now right so his motivation level was way down on drawing art because he he draws for a living, and so it's work, and so he's yeah it's just taking that. Intrinsic motivation out of it because he was once intrinsically motivated to do it; he would do it for free. But now, you know, since he's attached it to his 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 means of income, it's it's kind of hindered his intrinsic motivation. So, so um, self-determination theory specifies when an activity will be intrinsically motivated and when it will not. Considerable numbers of studies have demonstrated that tasks are intrinsically motivated when they satisfy at least one of the three higher-order needs competency, or competence, autonomy, and relatedness. Uh, I've seen a couple different ways this is presented. I've seen autonomy, relatedness, mastery, and novelty. I've seen competence, autonomy, and relatedness. So autonomy and relatedness seem to be a common theme, but I've also seen novelty and mastery in there as well. And all those words come up in the the literature with regards to self-determination theory. So these precepts from self-determination theory aren't entirely consistent with earlier discussions of theories by McClellan, Maslow, Alfer, and Hertzberg. So what we're seeing here is a theme. The theme is that there is something to motivation, and if we can identify lower order and higher order needs and how people get there, we can influence that as managers and leaders. So there's, there's definitely a theme that we're seeing with all these different motivation theories. Okay, so now we're in the process theories and this, we're getting close to the end here, but process theories and motivations try to explain why behaviors are initiated. These theories focus on mechanisms by which we choose a target and the effort that we exert to hit the target. There are four major process theories, operant conditioning, equity, goal, and expectancy. These are, this is good stuff. Um, Reinforcement occurs when a consequence makes it more likely to respond, behavior will be repeated in the future. Meaning like if 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 I do something and the outcome is favorable or something I like, I'm more likely to do that again. You know? If I go to a restaurant and I have a great experience, that great experience lends to me wanting to go back, right? If I go to a restaurant and I had a bad experience, you know, is that how does that make you feel about wanting to go back? Not very good. And so extinction occurs when a when a consequence makes it less likely the response behavior will be repeated. So yeah that bad behavior or that bad experience leads to me wanting to extinct or to eliminate future uh, occurrences a positive reinforcement is a desirable consequence that satisfies an active need or that removes a barrier to need satisfaction it can be as simple as a kind word or as a ma- uh, or as a major or as major as a promotion and you know when i was younger I was more intrinsically motivated. My goal is to make as much money as possible, to be a rich guy, you know, be a millionaire. It's easy, you know, when you're young to have that type of stuff. But as I've gotten older, I still would like to be rich, don't get me wrong. But I really appreciate the intrinsic and the uh, simple, um, like, recognitions and things. Like, somebody writes a note of appreciation, that kind of stuff. Like, every once in a while a student will send me an email uh, and, and thank me for something, or I'll get a note from a student from a year ago that I had them and they've done something and they're telling me about their success. And it's just that kind of stuff is very uh, positive and good. So, a good positive reinforcement. So, another technique for making a desired response more likely to be repeated is known as negative reinforcements. So, this is kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but I've, I've, I've learned a way to explain it very easily. So, how many of you guys use an alarm clock in the morning? Alarm clock. You, did your mom wake you up with music and dancing and, and cleaning? So, <laughs> so um, I use an alarm clock. How many of you guys, when you get in the car and turn it on and drive down the road, if you don't buckle your seatbelt, you have an alarm goes off, right? Oh, yeah. Those things are called negative reinforcers. There's something negative in the environment that we have to take action to stop. So we have to take action to buckle that seatbelt belt. In order to turn the alarm off in the car, and that negative thing, that alarm, is reinforcing us buckling our safety belt. So it's a negative reinforcer. When a behavior causes something undesirable to be taken away, the behavior is more likely to be repeated in the future. Yeah, if I've, um, I'm trying to think of uh, another negative reinforcer, something in the environment that, uh, okay, um, every once in a while my kids will open the van door after I've locked it from the inside and it'll cause the alarm to go off. That's another negative reinforcer and you would think they would learn to stop doing that, but they still will do it. And I'm like, guys, please stop doing that. So, all right, punishment is an aversive consequence that follows a behavior and makes it less likely to occur. Note that managers have another alternative known as non reinforcement in which they provide no consequences at all following a worker's response. They're just not gonna dignify or respond to behavior. Uh, equity theory, this is another major theory, states that motivation is affected by the outcome we receive for our inputs compared to the outcomes and inputs of other people. What that means is, am I being treated fairly and are my outcomes the same for the effort that I put forth? If I work for 10 hours and Julie works for 10 hours, are we paid for that same amount of work in the same way? Or, I mean, you're trying to establish, is it fair? You know, is something fair happening? And if equity's not happening, if you feel like you're being treated unfairly in some way, you have a really weird way of responding to it. You, hit your, you get really negative, you get really demotivated and demoralized, and it can cause a very toxic work environment. And you don't always know what people are thinking, what employees are thinking. That's why it's good to do pulse checks and make sure that people feel like they're being treated fairly and equitably. Um, I mentioned in, in restaurant surveys in, in one of the discussions this week, uh, those little r- surveys that you fill out, Well, one of the questions I got asked recently on a survey was, did you get the value for the money you paid? Or did you feel like the amount of money you paid that you got value for or something like that? And the reason why they asked that, they're trying to establish, is there equity there? Do you feel like uh, you were treated fairly in the transaction? Because if you feel like you overpaid for what you got, then you feel like you're ripped off. And that is a bad reinforcer for us. So we want to make sure that you're getting a fair amount of what, whatever that you bought. So this, this theory, the equity theory, is concerned with reactions people have to outcomes they receive as part of a social exchange. So MIB, uh is the outcome favorable for me. A couple more, goal theory states that people will perform better if they have a difficult, specific, accepted, accepted performance goal or objective. Think about this. Why do you think people will perform better with a difficult goal?
1: Because they're setting, they're setting the, um, what's the word? They're setting like a standard for themselves, like they have to accomplish it. So by them setting that, then they're like, oh, well, right. I not do this and, you sure. know, trying to put their best work ahead of them.
0: Right. So if I gave you a puzzle and the puzzle was 10 pieces, You may or may not even put it together because you think it's stupid because it's too easy, right? But if I gave you a puzzle for a thousand pieces, you may not want to put that together because it's really difficult. But if I gave you another puzzle that's a hundred pieces, you think, okay, I can do this in a reasonable amount of time. I'm confident I can get this together. And it's not too difficult. It's not too easy. It's kind of a sweet spot. And that sweet spot is what managers need to find with their employees because if they give them tasks that are too difficult, they are demotivated from the beginning. If they give them tasks that are not difficult enough, they think this is too easy. I can just blow it off, and then maybe or may or may not even do it at all, you know. And so you have to find that happy medium, so to speak.
1: That's like me at, at my job. Like last night, I didn't leave till like 11:41. Wow. We didn't. We don't. We close at 9:30. So, yes, I was there like for like two hours. Right. And my mom was like, Lee, I thought you'd get off at 9.30. I'm like, Mom, we do. But I had to close everything. I had to close the dining room. Had to make sure the bottles were good. Had to yeah. make sure the bathrooms were good. Bathroom, everything. But the thing is, my manager, she gave everyone a job. You know, you do this, you do that. Right. And she was like, by the time you close, you know, you'll be straight. You, you, you don't have to do much. When I got out there, it was. It was hectic. Yeah. Like I had to do everything. And you know, my employees they were like, well that's how it is. Like, you know, you just she's just the person that's just gonna give everybody assignments, but she's not gonna check it. So, you know, you just have to look over it. And I told and I I told my mom like stuff like that just makes me not wanna work, like it makes me sure. not wanna yeah. makes me not wanna close because I'm not about to sit here and close every night and have to do all this stuff when y'all, yeah. you know, everybody is assigned a job to do.
0: No. Yeah, well, you probably need to talk to your manager about it sooner rather than later, because what'll happen is if you're doing it, they'll expect you to do it, you know. And right. so, I mean, not to say that you shouldn't do it, but you should be treated fairly, and everybody you're should good. do a, a part of that puzzle mm-hmm. because that equity theory is already playing a role in what you're we're talking about. Right. You're already feeling like, hey, I got played. So, if you don't do something about it or talk about it, it could stay the same or get worse, and that just ultimately will lead to you leaving leave and getting another job because you're being treated unfairly. So, um, I think this is the last theory and this is the expectancy theory. And what is an expectation, right? What is that? Something you're looking forward to. Something you're looking forward to or expect to happen, right? If I, if I turn the key on my car, I expect for it to crank, right? right? So if it doesn't, I'm disappointed. You know, if I go order something, I expect for the food to be like what, I, what I'm expecting, right? I expect it to be different. This is what I ordered. This is what I wanted. So expectancy theory basically says that when you make a promise or you tell people this is what, if you do this, you'll get that. Honor that because people will expect it. And if it's different, it really affects morale and motivation. Like if you say, hey, we're all getting bonuses at Christmas and the bonuses don't come through. Yeah, that, that, that messes up. And so people will work and perform based on the expectation that. Hey, you know, I'm motivated because I expect things are going to happen, and when they don't happen, you know, hey, do this work for a couple months and you'll get promoted. You do the work for a couple months, you're motivated, you get promoted, you're looking at new houses, you know, thinking about like, open up a new, a new another savings account. Everything's going to be great, and it doesn't materialize. Yeah, really demoralizing, really uh, hampers your motivation. So, all right, guys, that wraps up chapter 14. I appreciate your attention. Have a great weekend. Next Tuesday, next Monday will be our final meeting before the holidays and we'll do something. Uh, But I'll see you then, guys. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you liked it, please subscribe, like, and share. If you're feeling extra generous, please consider leaving an iTunes review. My name is Ryan Bradshaw, and I produce this podcast to help students connect with the material, but also to be able to share the content with the world. My hope is through education, we can make the world a kinder, happier and better place. Thank you for joining me and I look forward to our time together in the future. Until then, I wish you well.